I struggle to come up with interesting dialogue for my NPCs or read aloud text for my locations or my spells or my monsters for my items, pretty much everything. Well, if those are things that either you find you don't necessarily have the time for or you want something nice and refined and robust, well, today we're going to show you exactly how to do that. Hello and welcome, heroes, to Critic Academy episode 299 Yeah, <laughs> of the Critic Academy podcast. We're, st we're still debuilding that boat. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. Uh, I'm your co-host, Brandon. That's fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next RPG adventure. <laughs> I see it there. Oh, fuck you. Uh, so... Do you guys like read aloud text? Do you use it? It comes in modules usually. Yeah, I yeah, try to because it helps set the scene for the players. Some of the things that say, oh, read this out loud or paraphrase it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Do you ever write your own? Nope. No. <laughs> Why not? Because it's hard. Words are difficult. Yeah, it is. It, it, and you know what? You're not alone. That's a very common thing. It's just like, oh, I'll just wing it. But let's let's be honest with each other. When you actually, if you can sit down and write out a nice piece of read aloud text, it always is better than what we can just come up with on the top of our mind. Unless you're one of the few rare magicians that can just pull fancy descriptions out of a hat. But it does take practice. So this is actually a common issue with a lot of game masters, no matter what game you're in. And describe has taken advantage of the fact that they know that not a lot of people are good at that. So if you don't know, describe.com is an essential website, in my opinion, no, for game masters and storytellers. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B.com. Not the word describe. Right. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Um, it's important. This website offers a wide range of tools, resources that enhance the experience, most particularly descriptive text, maps and even voiceovers for the dialogue nice and that's awesome but even without the voiceover dialogue the descriptive text really will knock you off your feet and that's what we're going to be talking about today we're going to give you guys some examples and you're going to see just how these little snippets that describe feeds you brings your imagination to life i'm not talking like one or one or two word descriptions we got there's some nice um long read aloud text depending on what you're uh you know talking about you know it describe has an extensive library i think it has like over nine thousand uh read aloud descriptions so whether you're creating a new campaign maybe writing a, a book or um whatever you're doing describe kind of has something that will help inspire you or allow you to use in those settings yeah so i know brandon's already got it open so have you what section are you in I'm, in I'm in nature okay so there's it comes uh um the describe you can visit rebrand.ly slash described um and that way we can get a count on how many of you actually go uh 
but it gives us some really good uh, breakdowns of the variety of different options that they have. Um, it includes places, monsters, spells, items, characters, dialogue, uh, planes, deities, nature, vehicles, and player. So, you said you picked up nature. So, yes. did you find one that might be interesting? Just or randomly just pick one. You can read uh, the audience in a nice... Uh, you got to give us a, like a Deckard Cane or something, right? Dark Rain. Dark Rain. Okay, so let's envision just by the name. What dark. do we think is happening here? Uh, a storm cloud so dark it blocks up the sun turns to night. Is that how you would describe it to your players? Probably. <laughs> let's see how Describe <laughs> describes it. The rain is the light drizzle at first. It mist the dews, your garments, and exposed skin with frigid drops. I would never have thought of this shit. <laughs> it intensifies, pummeling the cobbled streets with heavy sheets, and a chilling mist coils about your feet as the darkness deepens. That's really good. Yeah. That See, so it's not that long, but it really sets the tone of what you're expecting. Yeah, just like a little card. Can't yeah. nobody see that. <laughs> well, the people I, watching can. <laughs> I do of. want to point out, what, as I was scrolling through the website, that there is a free tier yes. and paid tiers. Actually, I think that's what we're yeah, most of us are reading off reading of. Reading from right. free tier. Yep. And just like, browsing through, I actually came across one that said, A Dark Casting of Cure Wounds. <gasps> what? You went to spells? Yeah. Okay. A dark and, Casting? And the part I found, found interesting to us at the very end, it said, Requested by... <laughs> We'll we'll touch on that in a second. Yes. So go ahead. Let's hear the dark. Wait wait, wait 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 wait. So how would you describe dark casting? You always ask us. We're gonna ask you. Oh, you're gonna ask me before he reads it. Okay. So first, I have to understand the scene. Right? Is the cleric like a grave cleric? Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm thinking. So that's what I'm gonna go for. Right? Yeah. Are we talking cure wounds? Yes. You reach out with your hand as it's coated in a dark shadow like clinging to your flesh as you reach out and touch the wounds the shadow climbs from your hand onto the wound and slowly begins to rip it and drag it together sealing it up with a very rough scar that's what i think of a grave that's class kind of terrifying cure wounds now what does the scribe say the words emerge from your lips like a licking spider rasping and otherworldly the voice is not your own. <laughs> Though you now command its power, an inky blackness, somehow both liquid and vapor at once, coalesces in your palms and rides to the tips of your fingers. A chill comes over you, and your hands become frigid, blue, numb, and corpse-like. You gesture, holding your hands over the injury, and the inky tendrils set to work, worming their way to the wound and stitching it closed oh my god that was amazing that was a thousand times better than what i came up with well, you know what's really neat though is that it's almost parallel to what you said similar yeah yeah uh, i'd like to point out i did not read that in advance he totally randomly picked that yeah out of nine thousand <laughs> so uh anyways so that was right high. now we've discussed we've, we've described two things uh, a dark version of a spell Yep. Which doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, right? No. It just fits whatever theme the character's going for. And, of course, for me, it was Grave Cleric, right? 
Um, you describe this this dark, stormy scene, which we all have, right? Yep. Everyone, every adventure experiences that. But they go into so much more detail than that. I want to give another uh, <laughs> example here. Uh, and you can visit and check some of these out for yourself right now. Um, one that uh, really uh, got me was the, um, the section on the dialogue, right? Dialogue is very hard to do right, I yeah. feel, sometimes. But they give us some really good opportunity here to make our table amazing. So I'm going to go uh, uh, <laughs> pick out one that I think is hilarious. So, But I need you guys to go uh, – you want to go to – You want to go to dialogue, remember? Because I think dialogue is something that we don't do. But it's not just dialogue for NPCs. And which one? The dragon's, uh, coming. dragon's coming. A shanty. Oh, I was trying not to say that until we started. I'll – Try to make sure you can find it. Ah, Dragon's coming. Yep. So there's a sh- there's a, a shanty here for this, oh, and it's do it's to the tune of Drunken Sailor. Yep. So we're gonna do it for you guys, right? Now, if this isn't the coolest enter entertainer tavern scene to be able to role play for your players, giving them <laughs> each a little piece of paper with and say, you guys are for a few minutes going to represent the entertainment. NPCs that are on the stand, or maybe you're a group of bards, or you got a couple entertainers in the group. You I guys hate ready? You so much. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Are we doing this together? Yeah, we are. So uh, I'll count us one, two, three. Ready? One, what? two, oh, shit. three, go. What can we do when the dragon's coming? What can we do when the dragon's coming? What can we do when the dragon's coming over that horizon? Hide your golden, get to running. Hide your golden, get to running. Hide your golden, get to running over the horizon. Hope there's a mighty party nearing. Hope there's a mighty party nearing. Hope there's a mighty party nearing over the horizon. An orc and an elf and a dwarf will save us. Orc and an elf and a dwarf will save us. Orc and an elf and a dwarf will save us over the horizon. I said early in the morning. <laughs> so oh my god <laughs> how amazing would it, i mean look at how much fun we're having just doing this sitting here yeah. these are things that i personally would never think of right off the top what did you think of that dialogue option wow <laughs> yeah it i mean obviously we brought it to life by with our terrible voices but very <laughs> it's it set the scene you walk into a tavern and this is playing you immediately get that what is going on, right? There's entertainment in the bar, the tavern. It's full of engaging music and entertainment instead of just saying, oh, they're singing a shanty about dragons coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a huge difference. And Describe is giving us the tools to do that. I personally don't have the time or the skill to come up with like a shanty. Mm-hmm. So the fact that somebody else, another team is doing that is pretty awesome, I think. Yeah. And I have seen this service sponsoring other YouTubers too, so that tells me they're doing well enough to yep. sponsor people. <laughs> so that means people are finding use out of this. Yeah, and and huh. and that's, that's my logic anyway. <laughs> yeah, and what I think is really cool is whether it's the uh, the um, details of the dialogue or the nature of yep. the setting. There's so many options that even if you're looking for an idea of an encounter to run. You can pick one. I mean, just looking at some of these names. How about this one? This is insult from a waitress, right? It says, 
You've been here for over an hour and still haven't ordered. Maybe you need your ma and pa to come in and get and help you out. Maybe pay your bills. That one little line <laughs> tells you we're all... still we're still ordering. <laughs> it's an hour later, but it sets the scene, and it's just a quick piece of dialogue that isn't necessarily long. And I think that the range of options that they have really is. It's done really well. And everything is categorized in a really good way, too. Um, they got tags, whether it's food or insult. So if I click the insult tag, what do you think happens? It comes up with an insult. comes up with a list of all the insults. Now, I only have a couple of them. Thanks, uh, Ricardo. Wait, we know we're shit. <laughs> <laughs> Turns to comrades and asks, because there's the only tavern in town. <laughs> <laughs> Time to leave. Um, so everything is kind of categorized in a way that you can easily quickly find something you're looking for, or you can, uh, randomly, uh, or go seek out something specific. Um, is there another one you guys wanted to pick out one of the other categories or, oh, how about this one? This is a, a dialogue for a wheelchair user outpacing their allies. Me? Slow down? Cast long strider on yourself to keep up. It's not my fault wheels are more efficient than your legs. <laughs> so you can tell yeah. that it's very diverse, too. Uh, why is that guy so much faster, faster than this? He doesn't have legs to get tired. <laughs> I got under um, scenes for, what was it, Planes and Deities. Uh-huh. The Grey. I chose Grey because... Obviously, because it's your last gray. name. Yeah. A low fog stills around you. Masking the dense surface of roots and vegetation beneath your feet. Silvery light pierces in the bark of the trees, illuminating the twisted woods in a faint veil of twilight no matter the time of day. You hear others in the distance, their voices muffled and distorted as the wind flows through the leaves, but pinpointing their exact location proves fruitless. That's awesome. Yeah. Huh. And you see, you can build an entire adventure off of these, which I think is fascinating. Um, and... It's worth noting that there are, as far as I can tell, dozens of writers that are working on this. Every time I click on one, it's got a different writer's name. So I do think they take like submissions and stuff. Um, so if you do write something really good, you can be part of that team building that, which I think is uh, interesting. Um, but there's one that's my favorite, you guys. And I've talked about this before. I think the best descriptions and the best opportunities in stories mm -hmm. is when you're describing monsters, right? Yep. Yeah. So. It's a stegosaurus. It has a thagomizer on its tail. Got a what? A thagomizer. A what a miser? It, it's spiny things. Is that what it, what is, is that what it's called? That's not what it's called. Yes, that actually is what it's called because they realized that they didn't have a name for it and they, and they named it Thagomizer as a joke after Thag Simmons in the Farside comic. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I know. Um, so I want to give some descriptions of some of these monsters. I'm going to start with um, something common that we've all seen before. Uh, it's in almost every game. Cobalt. You knew. You spot on. <laughs> Shorter than a halfling, but of a similar build. This orange scale-skinned humanoid has a reptilian head. With pointed dog-like ears. Oof. It wears a clay pot as a hat or a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Through which it has broken holes for its ears. 
<laughs> While in its hand, it wields a dagger big enough to serve it like a short sword. <laughs> so. You know what's funny? My son plays a kobold as the playable race. Oh, yeah? When we do play d d And he gets pissed off because everyone calls him a dog man. <laughs> like, I'm a not a dog! Isn't that a knoll? Yeah, I think so. It, it <laughs> honestly depends on which version of the kobold you go by. I've seen both. Yeah, <laughs> great. But you notice what it didn't do? And I see a lot of game masters do this. Yep. It didn't call it a kobold in the description. Yes. That is huge. Because, okay. <laughs> I think I started something. <laughs> you did. <laughs> like, going to, to one example, like, I've, like, definitely seen some DMs, not necessarily rightfully so, like, playing, like, man, I throw a troll at my players, and they immediately started, like, throwing fire at it. <laughs> How dare they, they ruin my encounter because they know it's weakness. <laughs> to which I usually reply, it's your fault you told him it was a troll. Had, have you, had you said it was a hulking human with a huge club glowered at them from above them because of how massive it was, then you might have an argument! <laughs> yeah, and that's where knowledge checks comes in because if you do a knowledge check, you say, oh, you actually saw a sketch once of what lo- this creature looks like and people were calling it a troll. But if they roll really low, you then, yeah, you saw a sketch of this. You think it was called an orc. And then you give them the wrong information. But you make a really <laughs> solid point. Yeah. And I know I used this example before, but years ago when I was playing the uh, D&D Next Playtest, there was one point we were going through a mega dungeon, and the DM at one point described, do you see some reptilian humanoids up ahead? And my re- reaction was, oh, I mean, this is a, is a Dracolich lair, which used to be, well, dragons, and kobolds follow dragons, therefore it must be kobolds. And I ran in without second thought, attacking them. Turns out they were lizard men, which are way, way stronger. <laughs> <laughs> They're just really big kobolds. <laughs> you look smaller from farther away. <laughs> Weren't they getting as big as fast as I thought they would? <laughs> now, another thing that I want to point out about Describe that it does really well is it gives you options for monster descriptions without actually being tied to a specific monster. Yep. Um, and this one's called It's Got Our Scent. And I really think that that's appropriate. It says... You break into a sprint, despite the slick cobblestones and the sheets of frigid rain lashing against your exposed skin. You feel more, you feel more than hear the beast at your heels, sensing its immense weight as it rushes in for the kill. Now, that is described... That describes a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but that's the point, right? It could be a bear. It's versatile <laughs> enough that... It... <laughs> It's versatile enough that it's not just tied to a specific monster, and they do that really, really well. Mm-hmm. But there's one other thing. If you guys find anything in there that you want to talk about, feel free. But there's yeah. one that I want to talk about that really got me excited, because how would you guys describe uh, the sense of your mind being read to a player? I feel my check. I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> the sense of someone else reading your mind? Yeah. While you're sitting at the table... Enjoying your ale with your friends, you feel a sudden headache coming in from the back of your neck that creeps up the side of your skull, and it comes into the side, and you can feel it pulsating into your mind and your brain. You close your eyes, and for a moment you see something is uh, intruding in onto your thoughts with its hands reaching in into your mind. Okay, you so don't that's know where not it's coming bad. from, but you know someone's trying to get into your head. So that's not bad, actually. But you did the thing I always fall into. The what? You gave away that somebody's reaching in. Here, the, listen to well, this description from shit. Sense of Mind Being Read. Something isn't right. Your head is too heavy. Take the helmet off. Then, far too soft. 
and light. A new presence pulls itself closer, rowing against the current. A stranger's dirty fingers. Ew. Probing and pulling and snagging on fragile threads. Then it vanishes. You are alone in your warm, familiar thoughts. Exposed. And you feel like your brain needs to throw up. Hmm. Feel your brain needs to throw up. Holy shit. <laughs> so to me, that's interesting because it does talk about like the strangers, strangers probing fingers. Um, that's something that I like to, I would try to, uh, avoid saying, but outside of that, it gets really intense on what the player's character is feeling. Okay. I liked how, what our users actually said when you gave them that prompt. Once, oh, we got, we got responses. Yeah. <laughs> like Andrew says, someone in your mind could feel like you went to a daydream or you zoned out or if they're digging to your memories, like you just had a feeling of deja vu. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of brain yeah, parts and I've heard yeah, brain pukes. Yeah. Saturday and Penguin, I described it as having sensation as if you were experiencing your, th your thoughts secondhand. <laughs> as if they were replaying. Or, once again, deja vu, Delcinia. I described it as an icy claw, one that causes an itch that no physical hand can scratch. Your thoughts echo in strange rains, but in a moment you notice it's gone. <laughs> brain parts and I brain like pukes. that. I know. Okay, okay. I'm going to read what I found. I want you to tell me what it is. Okay. Is this a monster? No. It's an item. Okay. A pungent, sobering aroma assaults your nostrils as you pull the cork from a small, weathered bottle. Eyes watering, you replace the stopper and peer at the contents within. Small, dry crystals like large grains of sand rattle softly against the dark, tempered glass. How can they possibly smell so foul? Ooh. It's an item. Please tell me it's a potion of healing. <laughs> a potion of healing. That would be great. <laughs> what is it? Uh, smelling salts. Oh, oh, wow. All right. That is awesome. That's how you wake somebody up from the dead, right? Ah! Um, so there's a, there's a lot here. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, we could go on for days. We could. Um, I do want to talk about some of the things that I really think uh, are understated, and that is the options under players. This includes some stuff. Uh, unforgettable descriptions and dialogue for players and their characters. So these aren't just... For game masters. Oh right? my god. What? <laughs> what? Uh, I found another item. And it is sexy as hell. It's okay. called Soul, Board, or Soul Chessboard. Ooh. Because Soul chessboard. I like playing chess, and I was like, oh, this is neat. This is this. An unholy frost rhymes the squares of the board, scuffed and dented by eons of play. Familiar faces peer out from the pieces neatly arranged on either side of the board, grimly awaiting their fate. The white pieces bear the faces of friends, loved ones, and allies, while the black bear the likenesses of hated enemies and rivals. Spectral hands hover over each set, waiting for you to choose a side to begin the game. <laughs> that is so that is fucking so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, I have a question to our audience. How many of you actually take the time to write out your own read-aloud text? Um, please let us know, because um, I personally do it rarely, only for like big boss scenes usually. Um, and even then, it's it's not as in-depth as some of this stuff. So I wanted to touch on one of the other options that they have in here is for players, right? And yep. these were submitted by people that played uh, these these particular uh, characters. I was, say, I was looking at that. 
And what I think is cool about it is not only is it a description for a, a character that you could choose to use, you're looking for a gnome, you pick one up and use it for inspiration, but these can easily quickly become what? NPCs. Yeah. This is his lordship, Sir Dale of the Dalelands. The slim little halfling gracefully turns to you, a short cape whirling behind his dapper figure as he does so. His smile flashes on and off again, swift as the snap of his fingers, but eyes of brilliant green continue to merrily regard you from a face as pale as the moon. His hands flourish dexterously as he makes a short bow, <laughs> but you still feel as though he's looking down his nose at you. So it is a list of introductions to introduce your, the character to the team. That's probably better than what I do. Yeah. Which is? Hey, you, you meet a blacksmith, and it's a human. <laughs> Jeez. Fair enough. And they're, they're covered in soot from the thing. They're sweaty because they're hot. But but that's the point, right? <laughs> These are written by uh, many uh, uh, really well, very skilled writers. Um, and Brandon touched on it a little bit with, um, I do it too. I don't always come up with the best descriptions, but having a wealth, a vault of resources that I can search at a click of a button, filter and find what I'm looking for mm -hmm. is such a powerful tool. What are your guys' overall thoughts of this sort of tool? What are some other ways you think it could be used outside of just your game mastering? Something that we can't point that is when you read some of the descriptions here and there, that might kickstart some ideas for just adventures in general or modules that you're writing yourself. I think players could use this in such a way like the DM says, hey, you hear something in the woods, give me a perception check. All right, uh, you all rolled, what, below 12? You rolled a 15, okay? This is what you see. He, he gives you a note, and instead of saying, oh, I see a bear, now you have a description of what you're looking at. <clears throat> so you're... <laughs> you could just do that. I see a thing that does this. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, there's just so much use out of this. And I want to I want to uh, kind of revisit one of my my biggest failing is spells. Right. Yep. And I think that the players can use the spells. The dungeon master can use the spells. And there's so many good options in here. Uh, we used an example that. Uh, uh, Ian picked up earlier, what was it, Cursed, uh, Cursed Cure Wounds or Dark Cure Wounds Dark or whatever? Cure wounds, yeah. Mm. So something that I feel like some people really struggle with is describing something like Regenerate. Mm. How do you guys describe rege Regenerate? Uh, regenerate? As you, as the, as the sword slashes at your arm and a gaping wound flies and blood shoots out from behind you and you see the pink mist flowing through the through the wind you watch as your wound seals back up that's pretty good that, that's literally what i do for every time we someone regenerates. why didn't you include any of the spell casting components because i don't know what the spell ca casting components are well they got you covered here and describe regenerate oh, motherfucker the prayer wheel <laughs> in the basin of holy water before you tremble with coalescing divine energy a cooling blue light drifts from your outstretched fingers, stitching wounds, staunching blood flow, setting bones, and knitting flesh. 
You know what? That is a really good point to make. Is yeah. that is that if you're describing something like that, you should use the basis of what the components are. Because I did that one time for you guys. If you it was the, awesome. If something you're using components to begin with, to be fair. Hmm? Yeah. It was when uh, uh, Xanathar used true polymorph on your guys' friend Rezo. Uh Yeah. Yeah. He held up a uh, what was that? A cocoon was what's needed. Yep. And it bursts in the purple flames and dissipates in the dust, and you see Rezo start to glow. Yeah. It's like oh. I should probably do that more often. Um, and Andrew asks, they have descriptive text for using tools? Do I don't know, tools. to be honest. There are... Uh, we're looking at mostly the, the free stuff right now. Yeah. But mm-hmm. with 9,000 things, I wouldn't be surprised, but I can't make no promises. I'm looking for thieves tools, because I figure if that would show up here, that would give you a good starting point. But I couldn't... Uh... Ooh, they have a Halloween section. <laughs> yeah, like I said, they, they've categorized a lot of things. Look at this. They even have a description for a plus three short sword. Ha! Now, would you agree that just giving a static bonus is typically just, oh, it's a sword? How would you describe a plus three short sword? It has no other features, it's just a plus three. It's just a plus three? I have no idea. I don't know what to think of. Plus three is plus three to attack and damage, right? Yeah, making it a legendary weapon. Uh, something that has to do with the, the sharpness of the razor, maybe like laser edged. I don't know. Interesting. What about you? Yeah. <sighs> Does that part is, I actually re- re- recall books where they actually describe magical oh sources as being God. extremely mundane looking, which is how the many opposers were taken by surprise by how effective it was. <laughs> Delcinia. <laughs> Super effective. There's one scene where a silver dragonborn uses one of his own scales for the mirror required for a sanctuary spell. That is hot. Should make him take damage for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's um, hear what a short sword plus three is. Though its grips and hilt are made of perfectly normal wood and brass, this short sword's blade is almost transparent and extremely thin. In an act of either incredible enchantment or overzealous inventiveness, the blade has been chipped out of a flawless plate of glass honed to a monomolecular edge and heavily enchanted to make it all but indestructible an easily recognizable and impractical weapon it is undoubtedly effective at piercing flesh or armor with equal ease Mono. Yeah, I'm. I don't even know what that word. Molecular. Monomolecular. Which means it's one molecule on the blade. That's saying how thin it is. It's, it's almost invisible. It's like one hundredth of a micron or something. I don't know. This thing is really thin. Therefore, it cuts real good. You know how you look at a blade and you get you cut yourself for looking at it. Yeah, that's how no, sharp. No, it. That's, <laughs> that's never <laughs> happened to me. Now I'm looking at the uh, other part portion of this. Yes, it's free. But I'm looking at the cost, but what comes with the cost? Yeah, a few of them actually come with a VTT integration, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. That's hot. I hear it says uh, it's seventy nine ninety nine annually, but it's six dollars and sixty seven cents. So that's the cost per month, and it is a lifetime access to everything. So once you buy it, they're yours. Uh, Sartrain says, uh, I love the description, but it sounds very much like a magically imbued item, not regular equipment. Anything with a plus bonus is a magical item. Yeah. So they're not actually mundane items, though there was a time where I ran them as uh, superior crafted and then uh, master crafted blades. They still didn't break, but they didn't give the bonus of magical uh, resistance penetration because I wanted players to be able to craft their own equipment. Um, 
So say it. Mine's the opposite. When, when players craft an item, like uh, we have a blacksmith in one of my games, and there's not much on blacksmithing in these books. No. So he found something really cool on Reddit, and he loves the idea. I like the idea, and it lets him have fun. And as once a day, he can spend a certain amount of gold, rolls 3d20s. For every natural 20, it adds a plus one to the weapon he creates. Ooh. Okay. And it, I was like, oh, that's a pretty neat idea. First weapon he made, he throws 1d20. It's like, that's a plus one weapon. And I told him, but because you're just a normal blacksmith, it is not a magic item. It's just sharp. Yeah. Unless you want to take it to a magical blacksmith who knows how to imbue it, that's kind of ability. Yeah. And that's what I did. And that's kind of what they did some in the earlier editions. Yeah, that's where I got it from. Yeah. Because, like, a masterwork weapon was plus one to attack, not damage. Uh, But but you had to make items masterwork so it could become magical. Hang there's no wrong way to play these games. You just learn new things. That's it. Um, Andrew says, I think I can stump describe, do they have descriptive text for harvesting monsters? I don't know. Good question. No. I don't know. I think, but there's 9,000 plus things. So it is worth noting that they recently just had an integration with sound effects and music and stuff. So I think that that's also, uh, uh, on top of what makes it really great. So overall, what is your guys' thoughts on describe? I definitely think it's a tool that can be quite useful to enhance your games. Yeah, and I, I'm right there with you, you know. Um, I love it, and I think I'm actually going to be using it. Because I have a player who, we went into a pub and said, uh, hey, so what, what's going on in the pub? Like, I don't, you know what, why don't you just tell me what's going on? He spent like 15 minutes describing everything going on. It's like, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, we're going to leave it at that. So I need to up my game. <laughs> okay. Well, before we close out, there's one thing that I want to talk about that it does, and it does really, really well. What is the most iconic thing villains are known for? Monologuing. 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 (laughs) So what would describe be without a villainous monologue? So I want to give you an example of one of the monologues that was in here. Now, not necessarily have to be a villain, but it certainly... Fits the theme, right? You sly dog. You caught me monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Storm Giant's Speech of Namesakes. The difference between us and other giants is as plain to see as our namesakes. The giant says. His voice thunders across the great hall as sunlight from the windows behind his throne shines down on him. He stands upright his laughter heavy like a torrent, and the light is somehow covered by his silhouette, as though he himself were a storm cloud approaching you. You may inhabit the hills, harness the flames, shape stone, thaw frost, but a storm is not a force your people can control. It is not something that you can do with as you please. Not something that exists to bend your will. The javelin in his hand flashes brightly for a moment. Blue hot lightning courses through his weapon and wielder simultaneously. There are only two things you can do against a storm. Weather it or die. That's sexy as fuck. Is that not amazing dialogue? Have you ever had amazing boss dialogue like that? Not very often. Hmm? No, because my players don't give them the chance to finish monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> like, attack him now, go! 
So I've actually set up a thing for my players to say, this is a in, un, ininterruptible yeah. cutscene. Don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Delsonia, pro tip for players out there. If your DM starts monologuing, let them finish. They're saying goodbye to the BBEG. Yes, dear oh. God, yes. That needs oh, to be sad. a dungeon master tip right there because as a DM, I have spent countless hours developing an NPC, getting through his goodbye moment, and then I attack. God, no, you like, don't. Need, we need, I need a, like, a little red button that says, when this button is glowing red, you can't say I, nothing. I attack. Wisdom save. Nat 20. Hold person. You fucking stand sterile. Sit there. <laughs> sit there and shut so... the fuck up. Overall, Describe.com is an excellent resource for game masters looking to take their campaigns to the next level, or uh, storytellers. With its extensive library of descriptive text, map-making tools, voiceover features, the website really does offer a wide variety of tools to enhance the experience, gaming experience. Now, whether you're a seasoned game master or just starting out, Describe.com is definitely worth checking out. Yep. If you haven't got that from this episode, then what the hell? <laughs> There's something for Andrew, the whole description of harvesting. I can't give you that, but I can give you an awesome website where you can actually find tables for every monster that harvests. You should harvests send that to me in the chat. We, 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 All right, we, so. we need to cover this. We probably will. Yeah. So put it in the chat so I can remember. So. There you have it. That is our main topic today. Uh, before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, I want to take a moment to let you all know that uh, the next Kickstarter being produced by Crit Academy is Alex's Bombastic Oddities. If you love uh, unique deities with amazing personalities, you like tables full of trinkets and stuff to give to your players, you like unique uh, ra uh, races for your game, then you need to check out Alex's Bombastic Oddities when it launches on February 21st. Uh, please consider backing it and help bring this project to life. Um, it's very, very accessible. Um, uh, Alex, being dyslexic herself, went through above and beyond to make sure that it was colorblind friendly, that it was easy to read for those with dyslexia. Um, I feel like there was some other uh, stuff that she had done, but uh also it looks amazing and the the text is awesome so please uh keep an eye out on our social media sign up to our newsletter so you can get notified when it does go out and if you are if you uh end up uh wanting to back it please try to back it within the first 24 hours the algorithms love that shit they so, do and it really helps us and now what you've all been waiting for our unearthed tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. I am super excited for our monster today. Um, so what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's the feral horned catfish. Now, what comes to your mind when I say that? Uh, a catfish that has like a unicorn horn and it's feral. So if you're out, in, <laughs> if you're out in the lake and you're sitting there fishing, and all of a sudden you see. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know if uh, Alicia's got the artwork for this, but it basically is a ginormous cat with like f think uh, a giant monstrous version of uh, Vaporeon from Pokemon. Magic cop, magic cop, and it's got a big, <laughs> big horn that it releases a. Um... What the fuck? <laughs> 
So you can tell even on its ears, it's got the little fins and stuff and on its claws. Yep. So when it's a catfish, it's more a cat with some fish parts, right? Yep. But anyway, uh, so uh, to, to make this, uh, it's a CR-10, so you're going to uh, – I recommend starting with the huge golem. But what's <laughs> going to really separate it apart is uh, core abilities are its claws, uh, which I actually added to this where when it does its multi-attack with its claws, it can grapple somebody and requires a, a high DC, uh, DC-17 to escape. But its water burst is a straight line effect. Just uh, um, that deals 21 uh, damage or 66, um, which is brutal. But wait, of course, with Justin, there's more. I love my legendary actions. So one of the cool features that we give it um, is the ability to attack on other turns. Right. So because mm -hmm. I like multi attack, but I think it's more it's more engaging when it's on the players, the end of the players turns. Right. Um, and it has a trample ability, which as a legendary action, it can just basically steamroll somebody. But lastly, it has a legendary action to recharge its uh, water blast. Yeah, that thing'd be nasty. What do you guys think about this? Well, uh, I think Delcinia summed up what she said. Good gods of the pantheon, I can't wait to throw this at my players. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Uh, and... The next temple my players are going to are the is the water temple. Oh, you're welcome. So it's, it's gonna be perfect. <laughs> I'll send you the the PDF. Um, yeah. So this was a, a this is great for swamps. It's great for a water temple. It's a great guardian, right? Because yeah. it's a beast, um, and it's massive. It can create lures and legends in the area. Do you guys do that often? Well, actually, came came to mind is given the fact that it was a stone golem template that this is based off of. I had a brief flashback to one time in uh, Princess of the Apocalypse where the players got to a fight against some monsters, and one of the monsters started to escape by jumping into like the pool of water, and the monster was like, ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> and one player was like, oh, I'm going to kill that thing, Pulls up, starts conjuring his uh, cantrips, but then turns out inside the pool is a stone golem, <laughs> and, and I described it as, and then suddenly you see a giant stone hand come out of the water and crush the creature in the pool and goes down back into the pool. The players pause. Gotcha. I'm not going in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew has a, a great question to this. Does it have vulnerability to being charmed when dangling a feather on a string or off the end of a stick? It didn't, but it does now. <laughs> it is like vulnerable to fire and immune to cold. So make sure in your encounters and lore in the area. I talked about, you know, using it to make lore in the area. That's something I think we as dungeon masters, as game masters, have to do more of. If they're, if the players' characters are heading somewhere, they're going to run into locals. There needs to be lore and stories and, and things about what's been stomping around in this area. Say so. that. Uh, doing lore, especially for a creature that you make, yeah, that could be described as another creature, will completely throw your players off. Like when I did the flamingo, oh. and people, <laughs> the description was that people thought was a, uh, was like there was a firebird on the second level of the mega dungeon. It's a phoenix. It a, it's a phoenix. Yeah, they finally get there. There's a giant fucking flamingo that's on fire, and they're like, what the shit? <laughs> that's great. All right, that'll do it for our monster. If you, that sounds interesting to you and you'd like to support Crit Academy, please consider becoming a patron. Get access to <laughs> the monster stat blocks and all the lore for the players and the backstory uh, that are tied into them. That's so. evil. Delcinia. I did a jungle adventure once where the players had the option to buy bug repellent that smelled minty. The bug repellent was made of catnip. Oh, no. <laughs> and she put this place in the jungle. 
Oh, that draw. Oh, that's glorious. I love that. That's that such, sound. That's great. Um, You're dead right. statistically. Let's move on to our encounter, <laughs> the Vanishing Village. Either one of you want to take that? Just kind of uh, summarize it. The Vanishing Village. Uh, the the players come across a small village that appears to be abandoned. Appears. Hmm. Pete abandoned. With no signs of struggle or violence. However, upon further investigation, they find that all the villagers, including livestock, have vanished without a trace. Just gone. The only clues left behind are a strange symbol etched into the door of every home and a faint, eerie hum that seems to be emanating from the center of the village. This is already kind of creepy. As the players explore the village, they come across a strange portal that leads to an alternate dimension. Ooh. Oh, yeah. In this dimension, they discover that the villagers have been taken by a powerful sorcerer who plans to sacrifice them to an ancient elemental being in exchange for immense power. Unlimited power! power. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the sorcerer has been using the symbol to mark the villagers as his sacrifices, and the hum is the sound of the elemental being's presence. Yep. What a better way to terrify just small children to be kidnapped and seeing this thing just looking at them. <laughs> yep. I'm going to eat you in five days. Uh, the players must race against time to stop the sorcerer's ritual and save the villagers. They will have to navigate through the sorcerer's twisted magical traps and overcome his powerful elemental minions. The final showdown will be against the sorcerer himself, who will be protected by the elemental being's power. So in my dun, mind, dun, 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 dun. this is what I'm envisioning for this. He is master of all four elements. Earth. That's fucked up. Is he a monk too? He is. <laughs> His name Ang? No. Ang? Ang. Maybe. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so what do you guys think about this? Definitely starts as a horror movie and becomes an epic bounty end. I call that a win. I think it sounds fun. It sounds like a more messed up version of the Labyrinth, except the Goblin King is a sorcerer and that... his goblins are elementals. Yes. So um, I liked the idea of interdimensional travel, and I think we should see that more in our games, even if it's for a one-off, right? Um, this guy opened a portal, went through, stole a bunch of people for a sacrifice, and the only evidence of it is some etchings. Great lore, great exploration, um, great mystery kind of aspect of it. Because sometimes there's just bad people out there that are trying to do bad shit, and the heroes need to go stomp their face in. But you know what I think makes it really fun? Is the variety of elementals and how those, fighting those, are so dynamic, right? If you run into a water elemental, you're, not, you're going to kind of expect that. But at the end, when you're fighting a water elemental, a fire elemental, a wind elemental, yep. and a real pissed off sorcerer, oh, stone elemental, yep. right? Um, it just is a lot of fun, and it seems like a really great time. I give hints at the beginning that something's wrong. Yeah. Don't elementals like generally don't like working with each other? They it can depends. be uh, they can be uh, enslaved or com compelled or yeah, whatever. Either way. Huh. So all right. Uh, That'll do it for our encounter, the vanishing town. Ian, would you like to tell us about our uh, magic item? The magical item is the talisman of the elemental guardian. It is a wondrous item that's rare, requires attunement. This small, intricately carved stone medallion is suspended from a golden chain. Ooh. Symbols of the four elemental planes are etched into it. The talisman grants its 
attuned where a plus two plus unsaving throws against spells and other magical effects that deal with the elements. The talisman has four charges and regains 1d4 daily at dawn. And it has the ability to expend various spells from it, which includes Gust of Wind, Melt from Stone, <laughs> Wall of Fire, That's cool. and Water Walk. And it can also be used to gain resistance to a specific element of the warrior's choice for one hour by expending two charges. I like that. Sick. That sounds fun. Yep. Well, good, because the villain of the last encounter is wearing this. I figured as much. <laughs> but, so, but I would like to point out it says that uh, uh, you guys saving bows to get saving bonus against saving throws right against those four elements that doesn't mean necrotic or radiant so right please. it doesn't say necrotic at all it talks about yeah air earth fire and water well earth would be bludgeoning right i think that's what earth usually is is bludgeoning damage right and so is wind sometimes that matter yeah. too earth damage <laughs> but anyways <laughs> we can make it force oh that's a good idea uh what do you guys think about this although one could argue in the sort of kinetic based attack is force anyway <laughs> i like it but my players have too many magic items as it is <laughs> <laughs> well you could make the charges uh you know they expend they don't recharge daily at dawn no. uh, which is one. which is what it does um but it does have one other ability yes it does once per day the talisman allows us a tumor to use an action to summon an elemental guardian which effectively uses the counter elemental spell which appears in unoccupied space within 60 feet of the wearer and obeys the work's commands. And it stays for one hour or until it jumps to zero HP. and can't be summoned again till next dawn. Nice. If your powers combine. Oh my god. <laughs> I am Captain Planet. Go Planet! So yeah, you'll notice that it doesn't get its charges back. It runs out of juice. Good. I don't think it does. I don't think I'd let it... No. No, no, it gains 1d4 each day. That's what oh, I okay. I did change it then. Yeah. I changed these oh, things like five times before did. I publish them. Anyways, um, overall, this is a pretty straightforward item. Obviously, elemental-focused. Uh, I did try a new format of the writing because of all the stuff that was happening with the OGL, so it's yep. laid out a little bit differently, but not bad. Andrew, if you summon the air elemental onto a pile of glass shards, does it get a glass shard elemental? Yes. I think it would just be a debris <laughs> elemental. Right? <laughs> Debris. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on That's to our game master tip. Um, we've t we actually I was listening to our old episodes and we actually talked about this in an episode, but I felt like it needed to be its own uh, tip. So uh, I'm a big fan of 13th Age. Yeah. Uh, if you may not know, we're looking to change up the show a little bit uh, soon, and we're gonna be covering other RPGs yeah. in more depth and. When I was listening to it, I wish we had gone into more details on this. So it is one unique thing. In One unique thing in 13th Age uh, is a concept of icon relationships. These are basically special relationships that characters can have with powerful NPCs known as icons. Um, who are major players in the game world, right? P politics, history, whatever. These relationships can range from admiration and friendship to rivalry or enmity, right? Yeah. And they can have significant impact on the character's actions and decisions. You can add this concept to your RPG game by creating powerful NPCs that the players can form relationships with. 
And these NPCs can be leaders of nations, they can be powerful wizards and sages, ancient dragons, uh, for example. Um, and as the players kind of progress through the, the campaign, um, and they form these uh, relationships, it can open up new plot hooks that are unique to the players, creating powerful enemies or, or uh, uh, allies, and add an extra layer to the game uh, the game's world. Now... You can also create a character sheet specifically for the icons the players interact with, almost creating uh, another another character, right? Um, this includes titles, domains, personalities, strengths, weaknesses, blah, blah, blah. Um, in introducing these uh, NPCs, you can kind of use them as plot devices and resources for the players. It occurs to me now that I think I mixed up the icon relationships with the one unique thing. Yeah, because the one unique thing is one thing that only your character has, and then the icon relationships is what we're talking about now. So I need to fix that title. Yes. Uh, all right, icon relationships. What do you guys think? Uh, they work really well. They can really pull your uh, players' heartstrings, which I have done recently, and it was a shit fest. It was so fucking awesome. Yep. Uh so get this. Well. Um, they come across the big bad and his general, who is a black dragon in his humanoid form. He uses an artifact to shoot one of their favorite NPCs, which turns her into a pillar of quartz that cannot be reversed by magic. Not salt? No, pillar of quartz. Oh, okay. Crystal. Uh, the one who's in love with the NPC, time freezes for him, and he speaks with the Raven Queen. She says, there's so much love for this person, this NPC, this character. I'm going to give you a choice. I have to leave with a soul, either hers or yours. And he says... I'll trade places. So he sacrifices himself to bring her back. And what she does, a big uh, big fight ensues, and his, he turns to a stone, he breaks out of it, and he says that the Raven Queen made a deal, she'll take me at the end of this fight because you guys need me. So they do the fight, everything comes down, and I allowed all the players to be level 20 at this point because they're, they've gone to like a Super Saiyan ability. Like just once, just to give that, that little flavor. Um, and they're having a fun time. In there, huh? One thing that I did not think about with the Grave Cleric is their level 20 boon, and that is uh, Divine Intervention, where they pray to the god to do something, and it happens. There's no role for it. Yeah. Well, he says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use Divine Intervention so that my god can talk to the Raven Queen to get this all switched out, so that Nock, the, the player who sacrificed himself, doesn't have to go. Well, remember that movie Wishmaster? <laughs> I said, well, all right. You see their god and the Raven Queen come up and says, all right, I'm not here for you anymore. Seraph, let's go. <laughs> the one that he was sacrificed himself for. And I made them do a whole bunch of uh, so rolls to see if she was going to stay or not. Cause one Seraph... guy says, take me instead. Yeah. Another guy says, no, I want my god to save him. And then she just goes back to the original target. Yeah. <laughs> You're a dick. Yeah, <laughs> like, I am. You could have at least picked another player character. Well played. <laughs> Either way, though. Uh... Also, I'm pretty sure that happened in Critical Role. That's where the idea came from. Okay. Actually, it's uh, one of the most recent episodes of Box Machina. Mm -hmm. uh, but they did their persuasion rolls. They all rolled fucking high because they got their modifiers and shit, and they got luck. So I let it go. Like, here's the timeline. Sarah should have died. You know here, how here, you could have did here, that? Here, here, here. You could have did that. I think I would have liked to see you, like, instantly age all the people. Fine, if I can't take your soul, I'm taking some of your life. 
and just ripped out parts of their soul and they instantly oh. age like 20 or 30 years. Oh, mm. I, may not affect if, a dwarf or an elf, but those players, humans. Some of players are actually starting to watch this show. And if you're watching right now, if it happens, <laughs> it's, it's my fault. fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our right. player. Uh, Ian, I'm sorry, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? No. Mm. All right, that'll do it for our <laughs> game master tip, icon relationships. Come on, get in the ball. Next time I'll remember to write it. <laughs> our, <laughs> damn it. our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by always being, being in character. character. Within reason. Yes, obviously <laughs> not literally. Staying in character is often key aspect of role-playing games, yeah. and it refers to the practice of assuming, you know, a role of your character and acting as they would in the game world. This means that not only speaking and acting as your character would, but also thinking and making decisions as your character would, yeah. as well as trying to understand their motives and beliefs. When staying in character, it is important to consider the character's backstory, personality, abilities. For example, if your character is a noble paladin, they would likely act with honor and integrity and would unlikely engage in thievery and dishonorable actions. Take that to the table. When you're sitting at the table, be that noble paladin. Fool, you have taken the last Dorito. <laughs> because I feel like if you make it part of your persona when you're at the table... I feel like there would be a lot of fun to be had outside of the game. Yeah. What do you guys think? The, this definitely is a tip needs a good balance. Because like anything, moderation is key, right? Right. Oh, I said that because I have played in some games where a lot of the players had the method of you must always be in character. Anything you said is like, yeah, but that for some people sucked up on the game very fast. That's true. Because it can be taken too far. Now, one thing I do like, like about this, though, is there are things that necessarily your char character won't necessarily know or do, but if you stay with your personality, you can often reframe it into a way where it would be. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I thought, like, one to be online where, like, where, where one player guy said, saying, oh, that item is clearly the, the enemy's weakness. The other players, you're playing a dumb barbarian. How would you know that? <laughs> Whereas if the player said, me no like item. Me smash item. <laughs> I think they would accept that more. Right, and that's and that's kind of what we're talking about here for you guys that are listening or watching is yeah. that um, always being in character is not not something to be taken literal. It's yeah, <laughs> Do it. role playing your character and being in character will help you keep that mindset when stuff like that happens. Yeah, because it's easy to start making connections about stuff you as the player knows. But it's harder when you're talking as doo, 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 all the time, yeah. right? And, I mean, I mean, barbarians are like that. And if you watch an initiative and intrigue that comes on every other Friday on uh, twitch.tv slash alexbomb, you'll know that I'm very terrible uh, team member to have on their team because my <laughs> barbarian isn't super dumb, but is like, it stuff goes over yep. his head, but he's not fast enough to catch it. And so I constantly behave like that. Not that I'm trying to screw out to screw the party, but somebody will say something and then he'll mix it up with a different word. Mm -hmm. And it just creates more confusion. And everyone's like, they got to explain it to me. It's not that I can't. It's that I like to be in character as much as possible. So I always react yep. to such. Now, I think I just think it's worth pointing out, though, that 
low intelligence does that does not mean you're dumb. It just means you have low book knowledge. I have low yeah. wisdom too. <laughs> and charisma. Well, you still might have just decent wisdom, though, and have common sense. Or yeah. want to punch on your face to see tonsils. <laughs> well, that's the thing, and he's not. It's not that he's super dumb, but he misunderstands things a lot. Yeah. And he takes things literal. Very much inspired by Drax, uh, Drax yep. and uh, uh, um, Rock from uh, Stormlight Archives, right? Rock is actually reasonably intelligent, yeah. but his culture has raised him in a thing that he thinks everything. Everything everyone else does makes them airsick lowlanders, you know? <laughs> so, uh, all right. Anything else on this, Brandon? You got anything to add? Does anyone want a drink? Bring forth to me the dual mountains. I must create a potion of awakening. <laughs> you, that, must you talk like that at the table? Yes. <laughs> Answer the phone. <laughs> hey, Brandon, what's going on? Hello? What? Who's this? Is the pizza here yet? <laughs> what? Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. But that's the type of stuff I was talking about, right? There's just fun yeah. that'll be had outside the game. So yeah. Give me a deck save. <laughs> Why? So I'm going to slap you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick! And you can avoid dickitude by trying to always be in character. <laughs> Alright, that'll do it for our show today. Please head on over to our Discord and hang out. Uh, we got lots of discussion going on in there. We're making some changes to the show, and we need your input. Um, next week is episode 300. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. On that, join us next week for episode 300 as we take a stroll down memory lane and discuss some of our favorite episodes, our favorite monsters, our favorite moments. Um, and we may even have a few special guests joining us. So I'm super excited. Yes. Um. It's going to be awesome, you guys. 300. I have sat with a bunch of stinky old guys for 300 episodes. You're a stinky old guy. We're still here. I know. <laughs> but we're still here, and it's all thanks to you guys. So if you're listening to this now or in the future, thank you so much for your support. Please join us. Here's to but, another 300 episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, we are making some changes. We're going to focus more on some other tabletop and RPG stuff, so uh, doing little mini segments, so I'm excited for that. All right, if you enjoy the show and you really want to support us, uh, share this episode with a friend uh, on the internet, anywhere you go to tell people how much you love RPGs. Um, visit us at Crit Academy, pick up some of our loot. We make all kinds of content. A lot of work goes into it, beautiful writing, wonderful art, lots of good stuff. Pick that up. And if you're really, really hot and heavy for us, become a patron where we give you you give us reoccurring money so I know my, how much we have to invest. Say hot and heavy. Hot and heavy. I can I can I can do special like voices for you if you want. Uh, please do. Daddy. <laughs> please do. You can call me daddy. We're gonna be uh, all right, follow us on social media. Leave us a review. All that jazz. I am your uh, host, Justin. I'm your co-host Ian. And I'm your co-host Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes! When you want a monster, we got a monster for you. You want an encounter? We got an encounter for you. <laughs>
I really wish we had like a button to play like some real uh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>